I want to share a little bit about um, what Christmas has meant to me, what it means to me this year, and um, maybe it'll resonate with, with you as well. You know, usually at Christmas, I'm like uh, the, the young girls in the, in the video where they're saying everything about Mary. Mary was, you know, um, so good and kind, and, and she was poor, and she's uh, the mother of Jesus, and, and Mary almost always takes center stage at Christmas, and rightfully so. Why? Because everybody knows that when it comes to a baby being born, a mom has a harder job than anyone, right? To actually deliver the baby is, is hard, hard work. Amen? Anyone? All right. So it's really the hardest thing. And I know it's common for a lot of expectant dads to be like, we're pregnant or we're going to have a baby or we're expecting. Everybody knows, you know, when the chips are down, it's, it's on her. Like the, it's just the most painful thing that anyone could endure. The most amazing thing about human life today is that women ever have more than one child. It's like, why would you go back and do that again? It's something that teaches us about the, the love of a mother that, that I think rightfully takes center stage at Christmas most often. But um, I'll be honest with you, this year, for some reason, I don't know why, this year Joseph has been on my mind as I've done my own reflecting on Christmas and what the story of Christmas means. Joseph has just sort of taken center stage in my heart. And, and it's rare that he does. And, and, um, and so I'd like for us to zoom out a little bit from our usual Christmas imagery and think a little bit about Joseph today. The, the, you know, the father figure for Jesus, the stepfather, I'm not sure what the right term is for Joseph, the adoptive father of Jesus, who never speaks one single word in the whole Bible. And yet he plays this critical role in the life of not just Mary, but of course, baby Jesus and uh, helping him grow into the adult that he became. So Joseph's side of the gospel of, of the Christmas story is found in the gospel of Matthew. Um, Mary's side, this, what we usually read, what Charlie Brown Christmas quotes, you know, Linus and all that. That's usually from the Gospel of Luke. Today I want to read from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1. If you have a Bible, you can uh, take, it, uh, take it out now, or a Bible app, or you can uh, follow along with me on the screen. This is Matthew, chapter 1, uh, verses 18 through 25. It says uh, in Matthew 1, 18... Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. The word there is actually to divorce her. Because in first century Jewish culture, they weren't just engaged, they were betrothed. Maybe you've heard that word. And the betrothal period was a one-year, usually, a one-year period where two people were actually married, but they weren't living together yet. The man had to prove that he could provide for a family before they actually consummated the, the marriage and became fully husband and wife. So Joseph planned to divorce her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are, it says, the angel's clear, you, Joseph, are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. 
All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the prophet wrote, the prophet Isaiah, look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph awoke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took Mary as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son, and he named him, the son, he named him Jesus. Okay. Now, most Christians recognize the fact, most Christian scholars who've looked at the story in the Gospels recognize the fact that Mary was not like a grown woman who was established in her own right. She was almost certainly very young. And I've talked about this in sermons in the past. Mary was probably anywhere between maybe 13, 14, 15 years of age, which adds all kinds of interesting complexity to the story, right? Like a young girl of that age stepping forward to, to fulfill this calling God put on her with no hesitation. Of course, I am your servant. Let's, let's get going. With no hesitation, 13 or 14 or 15 years old, she said yes. Now, that is a pretty well-known fact. What's lesser known, I think, is the fact that Joseph, too, was very young. Almost certainly, um, not as young as Mary, but almost certainly in his teens. Have you ever thought of Joseph as a teenage boy? Joseph probably was 16 or 17 years old. Now, I don't know how many 16 or 17-year-old boys we have here in the room today. If they're not asleep yet, they're still with us. I remember what it was like. I was a 16 or 17-year-old boy 10, 12 years ago. You're not supposed to lie on Christmas. I'm joking. I was that age. I remember. And I was pretty responsible for my age. I was a preacher's kid. I, you know, at least faked it, you know, like I, like I was a good kid. And, and yet still, I don't remember being remotely responsible enough to, to fulfill this kind of calling that Joseph was being called into. It really speaks to the miraculousness of Christmas that God would even use two teenagers to bring forth the most important child who ever was born. But Joseph, just like Mary, said yes, and he did so at a young age. Think about what that meant for Joseph. Look, Joseph, just like Mary, Joseph had dreams for his life. He almost certainly looked forward to raising a normal Jewish family that was honoring to his, you know, uh, to his parents and grandparents. It was very important. To, to have a family that everyone looked up to. But to say yes to this situation where your fiance basically is pregnant and it's not your baby is an extraordinary ask for anyone, much less a 17-year-old boy, to step up and say, yeah, I'll take that burden on my shoulders. Yeah, I'll take that humiliation. Yeah, I'll take that loss of what I had been looking forward to, you know, for a year now with Mary, I'll take, I'll take the L on all of that in order to say yes to, to God. Like, it's an amazing thing that Joseph does here. And it's not just the doubts in his own mind. It would have been the doubts and, and the rumors that swirled in the, in the neighborhood and the world around him. We know that rumors were swirling about the real, you know, story behind Jesus's birth. At best, Joseph would have been seen by the re- for the rest of his life as Someone who, I guess an adulterer of sorts, a fornicator, someone who jumped the gun, let's say, before he was married, you know? Like, at best, that would have been his reputation. At worst, it's that, you know, his girl ran out on him, stepped out on him. 
And, and he wasn't even mad enough to put his foot down. He just went along with it. Like, you get the kind of, you get, it's clear from the story, Joseph did not believe Mary in the beginning. Do you, do you understand? He didn't immediately say, oh, yeah, it's from the Holy Spirit, of course. That, that happens, right? <laughs> I saw a TikTok this week. I almost showed it, but I decided I'm not going to support the Chinese Communist Party today by, <laughs> by sharing it with you. I'll just tell you what happens, okay? In this TikTok, there's this, uh, this young man who is, uh, he plays both roles, Joseph and Mary, just dresses different, but, but it's like a Joseph and Mary skit, and, and he's like, uh, brings something to the table, and Mary's sitting at the table, and he goes, here, Mary, uh, and she's like, wow, it's fresh-baked bread. Thank you, Joseph. Where'd you get it? And he said, I made it myself. You're welcome. And uh, she said, Joseph, we don't have an oven. And, and he said, well, God helped me. She goes, Joseph, get serious. And he goes, you see how it feels, Mary? You know, it's like, it's a shock. It was a shock to the system. This is not the way Joseph dreamed it up. This is not the way he planned it. And yet, still, he was willing to consider the angel's words. That's a level of maturity I can only imagine. And, and if you really think about it, you see a glimpse of Joseph's character even before he gets on board with the angel because he's willing to divorce Mary quietly to save face, not just for him, but for her. He could have had charges brought against her. He could have had her punished, even mortally punished for what she's apparently done. He didn't even do that. Even before he was on board, he was willing to not you know, seek her uh, punishment. That tells you something about this young man. I just hope you get a glimpse of who this man Joseph was today. And, and it doesn't end there. If you were listening to the story that was read by one of our sweet children earlier from Luke chapter 2, you heard that there was a census. And, and uh, that the census, the Roman census, demanded that every male head of household return to his hometown to be counted, to be appropriately taxed. That means Joseph would have to travel from the Galilee area where he was living because that's where the work was for carpenters and builders like him. He would have to go from there down to Bethlehem because that was his hometown. He would have to go home for Christmas, let's say. He would have to go home um, to check in and register. Now, what that didn't mean is that Mary had to go with him, but, but, but we see that Mary still went with him even though she was very pregnant. Now, ladies, I don't know how it feels to travel today when you're very pregnant. I can only imagine it's extremely uncomfortable. I can only imagine even more the idea of traveling on donkey back <laughs> not good, not good if you're really pregnant. And that's the situation apparently for, for Mary. And, and when they were in Bethlehem, the time came for her to give birth to the child. The question remains, why did she even go on that journey with Joseph? Well, I think it has something to do again with Joseph's character. Joseph had stepped up to the plate and taken responsibility for a situation that most people would not have blamed him had he walked away from. And I see a glimpse in Joseph of real masculinity, what God really creates men to be, who he creates us to be. In a, in a way, it's the definition, biblical definition of, of masculinity, in a, in a sense, is to take responsibility for something that around you or someone around you that may or may not be your flesh and blood responsibility. That's exactly what Joseph did. He stepped up. He stepped up in the most, um, like, gritty of ways. I mean, when the time came for the baby to be born, there's no indication that Mary had anyone else to help her with the birth but Joseph, 
who we can only presume was himself a virgin too, who had never had any experience with the female form. Joseph learned a lot that night. That's what I'm guessing. <laughs> he learned a lot in terms of anatomy and, and, you know, a primer on human suffering. I imagine, I don't know, but it was probably an eye-opener of an evening for Joseph. And even still, nothing deterred him from taking responsibility. It didn't even end with the birth of Jesus or getting married to, to, to Mary. We see in, in Luke chapter 2 this key verse that's easy to overlook. Luke 2 verse 21 says, On the eighth day of the child's life, Jesus' life, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus. The name the angel had given him when he was conceived. Who was it that named the child? You remember? Joseph named him Jesus. Critical point. Because in Jewish culture then and in many instances now, the one who names the child claims the child. And so to name this child Jesus was a significant act on the part of Joseph. It was to take ultimate responsibility for the child. This wasn't just a circumcision ceremony. It was an adoption ceremony. This was absolutely an act of adoption on the part of Joseph. His fatherhood toward Jesus was not guaranteed. And yet he stepped up making the holy family that we celebrate at Christmas a blended one. Blended families are always complex, complicated situations, but this blended family that we celebrate at Christmas was especially so. Just imagine the burden that young Joseph and Mary felt to keep that baby safe. Pretty important baby. I know your babies are precious. Your babies are important. My baby's important. All, all, all our babies are important. That baby kind of next level, kind of next level important. We got to keep this one safe. We better keep this one fed. We, we can only assume the enemy would love to have his way with this one, so let's be on our guard. Can you imagine the pressure that Joseph and Mary said yes to? That's a lot of responsibility, and it was a burden that many would say it wasn't Joseph's to bear. No one would blame him had he walked away, but he stepped up. We see in Joseph the image of every father's role to take responsibility for the world around him. Men, I'm going to speak directly to you today. And women, I don't mean to leave you out at all. Um, forgive me. I've just been compelled to speak more directly to men at certain times this year. I think it is underappreciated what a difference a man can make when he steps up selflessly, silently, like Joseph, without speaking or seeking any fame or fortune for it, just stepping up to take responsibility for the world around him. Joseph, in his story, will challenge all of us to do just that. It's the difference that good men and good fathers can make. It's well documented, the difference that good fathers make in the lives of their children. Obviously, kids with present and active and loving fathers do better in every facet of life and are far less likely to fall prey to all kinds of things that might come their way. And it is amazing to see in Joseph how one man's courage and integrity impacted multiple generations after him. This Christmas is going to be a bittersweet one for me and my family. Many of you know why. It is our first Christmas um, without my mom. Kathy Huffman died on July the 11th. 
And uh, I've been thinking a lot about the difference it will be to celebrate tomorrow without her in person or on the phone. I've been thinking not just about my mom, but also about my dad and the story that they shared together for the better part of 50 years. When my mom was 11, her daddy passed away unexpectedly, tragically, and she lost her dad. And then three years later, when she was 14 and my dad was 15, they started dating, which in my opinion is way too young. Way too young, mom and dad. You should have probably slowed that train down, but uh, kids, if you're listening, my kids, no, nope, nope. All right, but it was a different time, okay? She was 14 and my dad was 15, and a year later, to everyone's surprise, most of all, my mom and dad's mom discovered she was pregnant with my sister. When she broke the news to my dad, he never hesitated. And she always talked about that. How he never said, well, maybe we could just slip away to the clinic or maybe we could just take care of this somehow. He never even suggested that he couldn't be a part of her life or this child's life. He stepped right up to the plate. He took her by the hand in that moment at 15 years of age, and he said, we'll get through this. And then he went with her to tell her mom, my grandma, who might have been the meanest woman who ever lived. (laughs) Except to me. She was nice to me, but everyone else terrified my grandma. And he took her by the hand and went with her to break the news. And then he brought her, my mom, with him to his parents' house where together they told my grandma and grandpa. And my mom always talked about how terrified she was to look my grandpa in the eyes because to her, he was the scariest person who ever lived. <laughs> Big old German stoic man, my grandpa, Jack. But she said that his only reaction after hearing the news was to embrace her, <laughs> to hug her, to tell her, welcome to the family. Welcome home. It's an amazing thing to consider how my grandfather's heart, either genetically or just by having raised my father, was passed down from one generation to the next because my dad has the same heart beating in his chest. My dad didn't have to step up the way that he did. You know, he was in in the 11th grade. No one would have blamed him had he just stepped out of that situation and gone off to college like normal kids do and and met a nice girl under normal circumstances, got married and pursued a career and maybe wrote child support checks for 18 years, but other than that, basically washed his hands of that situation. That's not unheard of. That's pretty common, and no one would have blinked an eye at that. But my dad refused to turn away. Instead, he chose to step up. He married my mom when he was 17 and she was 16 and she was six months pregnant with my sister, the accident at the time. And (laughs) that's what I call my sister. Just kidding. Um, She's not watching. Don't worry. Um, So Chas, I love you. Okay. So instead of finishing school, graduating with honors, like he was on pace to do, he got a job at a paper mill. If you ever been to a paper mill, you know how godforsaken those places are. He worked in that paper mill for 25 years. Why? To provide a safe home, a haven for, for, for my mom and for my sister and eventually for me. And I couldn't be more grateful for his self-sacrificial heart, the thanklessness of the role that a good father plays. 
cannot be overvalued. Without it, I wouldn't be here today. It's heroic what my father did. But as heroic as my father is to me, Joseph's story paints a picture of an even greater hero because at least my father could look at my sister and I and say, those kids are mine. They're my flesh and blood. I played a part in their creation and I take responsibility for them. Of course, everyone feels a sense of responsibility for their own flesh and blood. Joseph didn't have that luxury, did he? Joseph stepped up anyway. And for a man to offer himself as a father to an otherwise fatherless child is about as close to the heart of God as anything I can imagine. And that's what we celebrate with adoption. Adoption is near to the heart of God. Adoption points to God's love for us. Adoption as a concept is all over the New Testament. It is the gospel embodied. It is a father saying, I'll take care of these kids. Whether they're mine or not, whether they know it or not, whether we're the same bloodline, flesh and blood, whatever or not, whether they're far from me or not, I'll take care of these kids. This is how Christians have always understood the gospel that we celebrate at Christmas time. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 through 7 says, When the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has also made you an heir. This is a picture of adoption. What this means is that regardless of your situation at home or in your back ground your upbringing with your earthly father you have a father who is eternal whose love is unstoppable whose nature is unchanging who came all this way at christmas to make sure you know you can come home this christmas and have a family and have a father forever i think this is why adoption as a concept gets us right in the fields this is why i can't be presented and confronted by those adoption videos on social media without absolutely losing it every time. It's like adoption videos and soldiers coming home surprising their kids at school. Like those are the top two. They get me every time. And, and I think there's a reason. It's because it's so near to the heart of God. Take this story, for example, of a police officer who found and saved a little girl's life. Police officer Brian Zach will never forget the day he met little Kyla. Push it. Body cam footage captured the moment after a call came in that a two-year-old girl may have been abused, allegedly by her mother and her mother's boyfriend, who were both taken into custody. She's got left, right, center, and a pretty good black eye. One of her eyes was swollen. She had dried blood in both her ears. Um, she had different coloring of bruises all about her face, but she was still happy-go-lucky uh, little two-year-old. Back at the police station in Kingman, Arizona, as they waited for child services to show up, Officer Zach and Kyla watched the Disney movie Wreck-It Ralph. And you're adorable. I'm adorable! Right there, a remarkable bond developed. I distinctly remember her grabbing my hand and putting it in her lap and just holding my hand and just petting my hand like I was the one that was needing um, to be consoled. 
it melted my heart right away. When his shift was over, Officer Zach went home, but he says he couldn't stop thinking about the precious child. And as soon as I woke up, I called the um, DCS worker and asked how Kyla was doing. Then a remarkable thing happened. The DCS worker asked uh, the question that changed our life, and it was, would you consider being placement for her? I met her Saturday night, and Wednesday night, she was dropped off at our house. Where are you going? Going to work. You're going to go to work? Two years later, Kyla has now been formally adopted by the Zacks. The court signs the order of adoption. Congratulations. This weight was lifted because I knew that I didn't have to worry about who was going to be taking care of her, who was going to be loving her. I love him. So, befitting this holiday season, the story of the cop and the kid has a fairy tale ending. She means everything. Absolutely everything to me. <laughs> Did you hear it? The heart of God. A father who can't stop thinking about his children and bringing them home and giving them a family and a father that is forever. That's the heart of God for you. Even if this is like the first time you've been in a church in 2023. Hey, that's the heart of God for you. Even if this has been the hardest year of your life, that's the heart of God for you. If you've made mistakes you're ashamed of, this is the heart of God for you. He can't wait to hold your hand. He can't wait to answer the call and welcome you home. He can't wait to see you at the door. This is the reason for Christmas. This is why we celebrate the birth of Jesus, because what it means is that you can have the father and the family that you long for, the love that you long for. So we celebrate Jesus at Christmas, and this year my heart also celebrates Joseph, who, in a sense, made a way for Jesus. We celebrate fathers like my dad, who step in and answer the call, and step up to the challenge to take responsibility for the world around them. And we also see a challenge in that for us, and I would challenge you all with that too, especially the guys in the room. In what way is God calling you out to take responsibility for the world around you? Do you understand the multi-generational difference you can make by stepping up with courage, selfless, fearless courage, and taking responsibility for the world around you, even though it means a sacrifice? That's the challenge that this Christmas presents us with. The beauty of it is you're not alone. Regardless of your family situation now, you've been adopted. Regardless of if you're about to celebrate a Christmas for the first time without someone that you love, someone that you'll miss, someone like my mom, Understand that Christmas means she's home for Christmas too. And we haven't seen the last of those we love. This is the promise of Jesus. It's the promise of Christmas. Merry Christmas, brothers and sisters. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for your heart toward us, for your patience and loving kindness, for your selflessness and sacrifice. We thank you for loving us so much that you came to get us, Lord. You came to bring us home this Christmas. 
I pray that there are folks in the room right now who are heeding that call, maybe even for the first time, considering coming home for the first time to you. Or maybe there are some who've been wandering for a while and they're considering coming back home, Lord. Let them see the door is wide open. And that's what Christmas is all about. We have a Father in heaven who loves us unconditionally and eternally. We thank you for that promise this Christmas. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.